creatives mm. typically have good taste. They wouldn't right. be wanting to get in unless they have good taste. They can look at a film and be like, that was, that was an awesome film, yeah. or eat a meal and be like, that was great. Right. But as they're first starting out, there's this dissonance between their uh, taste yeah. and what they're able to produce. And so for the first part of what you're doing, you're producing things that you consciously mm-hmm. know are not that good. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode eight of Convincing Creatives. We've got Jacob with us, Jacob Boehm. Hey, Welcome how's it going? To the show. Nice to be here. Uh, so, Jacob, let's just hit the people with uh, first and foremost. What do you do? You know, we're here in a kitchen, so we can deduce a few things. But you know, definitely do some uh, cooking and chefing it up. Yeah, yeah. I I, uh, I run a business called Snappy. Okay. Uh, we do pop ups and uh, catering in awesome. the, around the triangle. Awesome. Um, been at it for about four years or okay. so. Um, and, um, we mostly do, uh, sort of creative, uh, creative menus, conceptual menus, different, uh, interesting mm-hmm. locations for pop-up dinners, that kind of thing. Okay. And so, uh, you know, I know food and, you know, foodie culture, it's very hot right now. What is it like kind of working in food in 2018 versus, you know, maybe years past with social media and, you know, uh, TV, you know, food shows being hotter than they've ever been. Do you find that helps what you do in your line of work or? Yeah, well, um, I think we've got this sort of interesting phenomenon. Uh, There's a bunch of things that we take for granted now. It's really amazing how previously, you know, the only way to make Mm -hmm. it in food is to start at the bottom Mm -hmm. as a dishwasher, as someone's bitch, and then, like, just work your way up, like, putting in Mm -hmm. hours of tears and sweat Mm -hmm. um, uh, starting from the bottom. And then, like, maybe you get a lucky break and you get a chance to shine. And then, you know, maybe you get an investor, you have a restaurant, you take over, uh, something like that. Um, and that was because, you know, people don't have the capital to build mm-hmm. out a full restaurant. Mm-hmm. And now, even if you don't have the capital to build a restaurant, um, you can start doing some pop-ups or you uh, have a food, food truck, truck or yeah. exactly, yeah. something like that. Throw it on wheels. Um, exactly. And yeah. um, you don't need the traditional restaurant right. infrastructure because you have a direct line of communication to your audience yeah. via social media and, yeah. and uh, the internet. And so um, it's totally reasonable to make a yeah. good living for yourself and employ a, a bunch of people yeah. um, without having a brick and mortar. Absolutely. And so do you see brick and mortar ever going away or do you think there's just now more options than just brick and mortar? Yeah, I think it's definitely that um, that I don't think it's going to go away. I think yeah. people there's always going to be a piece of people who just want to go yeah. out to eat. You know, people are cooking less. Mm. And I think they might also be going out to traditional restaurants a little bit less. Right. Um, and but there's this huge spectrum in the middle of other stuff that people are doing. Be that. Uh, going to a food truck rodeo, be that uh, meal kits that they're getting delivered yeah. to their house, be that, um, you know, a sort of semi takeout where you right. sort of finish it at home, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, there's just a lot more and, mm. and uh, to choose from. And, but I don't think the restaurants are going anywhere anytime soon. Definitely. Um, so, you know, here on Convincing Creatives, you know, obviously wanting to showcase creative people. Can you talk about what you're doing with food and sort of the uh, <laughs> dining experience with a little bit of theater and a little bit of kind of, you know, again, mixing it up and keeping it different. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, theater and performance has always been a big part of what I've done. Uh, I majored in music at Stanford, and so performance was always a big part. Yeah. But uh, I was always interested in the sort of technical elements, the things that make the the magic of uh, theater work. And I think there's a similar paradigm to food, that you're at a restaurant, this beautiful food comes out, Mm There's all presentation. Exactly. There's the presentation, but there's all this magic and uh, behind the scenes stuff that's happening to get that plate of food out to you. It's not quite as simple as just like, oh, and here's the food. So 
I ended up taking some classes on uh, theater tech and lighting design uh, and ended up getting really into that. Yeah. So I uh, uh, was studying that and in order to, uh, after having done a number of productions, uh, lit a number of productions, I um, ended up being pretty close to getting a degree and mm -hmm. so I needed to take a couple more electives. I saw an elective called Food and Performance, which oh, cool. sounded pretty interesting because I always love to cook and eat. Yeah. Um, and it got me thinking about how food can be sort of more performative yeah. than just like sit down for yeah. a restaurant meal. So that's sort of where I got the start doing the sort of performative food stuff, which I'm doing now where I'll come out and I'll talk about things. There's interactive seating communally, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, and over the last four years of doing these pop-ups that sort mm -hmm. of meld some performative elements in with um, uh, a pop-up dinner, yeah. uh, I've sort of continued to try and push that further and further. Okay. Um, to the point that that sort of almost culminated in a project that we're doing um, um, in August this year, which is a, uh, <clears throat> a fully immersive theatrical dining experience. Mm -hmm. It's a fully produced theatrical work, mm -hmm. um, but the guests are going to be invited into that world to feast inside this conceived world as the story unfolds around them. Not like dinner theater where you're yeah. just like watching something happen, but actually from the inside. So walk me through that. What is <laughs> what is it like, uh, you know, let's say I'm there sitting as a guest. What would I experience kind of through and through? And I guess like, are you partnering with, uh, you know, a stage company or are you directing it? How does that all work? Yeah, so it's, uh, it's uh, the... Uh, the piece is called The Banquet. Yeah. Um, tickets went on sale a couple weeks ago and okay. sold out in about, a, awesome. in about an hour, all 600 oh, that's good. tickets. Yeah. Um, and so I'm uh, overseeing, I'm, I'm producing it. Yeah. Um, I'm overseeing the food and I'm also doing the lighting design for awesome. it. Awesome. <clears throat> I'm working with a, uh, an awesome team of designers and directors and uh, dramaturgs and uh, cast and crew to help pull this off. Yeah. Almost 25 people who are uh, contributing to help yeah. uh, make the piece work. Um, and... Uh, Exactly what it's going to be like, I, I can't say. Yeah. We haven't done it yet, and yeah. there's going to be a lot of stuff that's uh, that that will be affected by who the audience is and how yeah. that comes together. That's so much of the creative like experience is just you know you can rehearse till the cows <laughs> come home, but you know at the end of the day, like you said, when when you're out there, you know, and whatever you're doing, it, it's a live element. You know, it's there's going to be pieces of it that you know go according to plan. There's going to be pieces of it that don't, but that's sort of the beauty of it. Um, when you do do a rehearsal for this, though, you know, I've done theater before, you know, I've done film. Is it is it different? Do you actually have to cook the food in the rehearsal process? And is everyone like jazz because they're eating food or is it, is it different? Like, well, I mean, there's a yeah. ton of rehearsal that needs sure. to happen before yeah. any like food blocking. Hits, exactly. And, yeah, but, yeah. but before any food hits the table, yeah. um, we'll do one or two rehearsals yeah. with food. Unfortunately, because the you know costs are so high of actually right. producing a whole meal, we're right. not we're not getting. Yeah. Weeks and weeks of, run, of practice yeah. runs with all the food. Yeah. Um, but luckily, you know, the past couple of years of doing these kinds of pop ups mm -hmm. where we're doing crazy locations and different yeah. menus and all that kind of stuff have prepared us pretty well. Yeah. So um, even if there's some things that we might not expect, I think yeah. we'll be able to handle it. What's like the weirdest or kind of funkiest place you've done a pop up? We've done tons of weird, funky places. I mean, um, uh, we've done on top of a rooftop on Fayetteville Street yeah. in downtown Raleigh. We've done inside the Moorhead Planetarium with oh, a cool. in the Full Dome Theater with a show going on. We've done um, uh, we've done inside of a forest, completely mm -hmm. off the grid. We've done over the old Bynum Bridge, over the Haw River, a two hundred mm -hmm. foot long table there. Wow. Uh, we've done a ton of really cool locations, and uh, as we do more and more cool locations, yeah. the bar just gets higher and higher. So, so you try to almost outdo what you did before. Hey, you know, we always want to push the boundaries yeah. further and further. So, I mean, you, you mentioned eating on a giant table on a bridge. I mean, are there like zoning or permits you have to do with that, or is it just sort of like 
is it gorilla where you just sort of go for it? Um, there's a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, of course, you know, we want to be above yeah, board. And so sure. we're permitted as a, yeah. as a, a food company and as a business and, you know, with the, yeah. the government. Um, that being said, a lot of the things we're doing are not things that yeah. the government has thought of as sure. entities. It's not like squarely a restaurant or a catering company. Yeah. And so it's not like there's a, you know, there's a specific permit to hold a pop-up dinner in a, right. <laughs> On a or that. bridge. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. so there, it's sort of a little bit of both. Mm. And, and certainly, um, certainly there has to be some, some mm. element of risk taking to, to do some of these got more interesting off the beaten path locations. I, I relate to that too well because, you know, in, in my film work, I've, you know, I've shot in interesting places, Sorry. not always places that people either would want you to shoot or, you know, people might say, oh, that's too hard. Why don't you just shoot on a soundstage or this or that? Um, but I find that, like, when you're out in the elements and things are, you know, crazy, like, you know, it's almost like doing this interview in this kitchen. You know, people are cooking back there and things are happening. But, you know, you get sort of a, a raw energy that you're not going to get, kind of like we said at the top of the show, from a restaurant where, you know, it's it's cooled to 72 degrees and you've got a cushy seat and this and that. Like sometimes there's an element to really kind of almost getting your hands dirty in the field. Um, do you find that that translates to what you're doing? or? Yeah, abso- I mean, absolutely. It's... You know, we solicit suggestions yeah. for locations for yeah. location ideas from our guests, and we get a ton of really cool ones. A bunch yeah. that we've done. We also get a bunch that we that it's like do it at this brewery, and yeah. it's like, well, you know, you can sort of already eat at a brewery. That's right. not going to be the kind of thing that's going to break ground yeah. exactly, blow someone's mind. Yeah. Um. So just like you said, there's there are easy options, sure. and then there's ones that are going to be really interesting and more. different. And the fact is, one of the reasons that those are so much more interesting to yeah. guests is because they're uncommon. People yeah. don't do events in yeah. those kinds of places. And that means necessarily they might not be climate controlled. They might not right. be, uh, you know, they might not be protected from the elements. They might not be um, uh, so easy to get power or water Definitely. or those kinds of things. But we go the extra mile because that makes for really cool events. And, and what do you find happens when you do go the extra mile when it's all said and done? I mean, literally minds are blown when they walk in and they see that we're doing a dinner. Uh, you know, uh, earlier this year, we did one inside the Butterfly House, the Museum of Life and Science. We bust open those doors and people see this 120 foot table that snakes along the path in this greenhouse yeah. with butterflies just exploding around there. I mean, there really is this moment that's just like, like right. what is going on? Right. Which, I mean, that's what I live for, to create those moments of surprise and delight yeah. for my guests. And uh, so that's a big thing that I build into it. I don't reveal what the menu is. I don't reveal what the location is. I don't reveal basically anything yeah. about it so that I can withhold all of that yeah. uh, suspense until the very last moment. Do you find that like the suspense... Um keeps people more interested in, in a sense than just saying, Hey, this night is theme night, you know, cause if you don't like that food or do you find that it's more just sort of creating a mystique and an element? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you, if people know exactly yeah. what they are, they know exactly what they're going to be getting, then yeah. they're going to make this decision. Like, yeah. oh, I don't like mushrooms. I'm not going to go, or eh, I don't right. think I like, you know, that kind of a location. Yeah. Um, but by not revealing any of that information, mm-hmm. people end up, sort of submitting themselves to a a new experience and then maybe they realize oh actually i love mushrooms or i never would have signed up for an event that's happening at a you know at a flower shop yeah this is crazy to be inside of a flower shop that's awesome yeah so um disrupts the natural routine that we get into you know yeah we we into this day and age we expect that we can um 
we can get any information. We can get the answers to any Google reviews. Exactly. Of, yeah. Look up, you know, what's the first thing you yeah. do when someone says, hey, you want to go to this restaurant? It's like, look up the menu. Mm-hmm. Let me see if it's got a burger on it because that's what I want to eat. Or let yeah. me see if it's got whatever. Um, you can't do that with me. Yeah. You can see, look at all these cool things we've done in the past, yeah. but I can't give you any sense of what you're going to get in the future. Right. Uh, and so then there ends up being this like, who knows what it could be? Mm-hmm. Like, I got to I got to go check it out. I, I think that's cool because I think, you know, that's like you said, a symptom of our culture is, you know, we want everything to be so tailored to ourselves that maybe sometimes we get lost in our own heads a little bit and we say, you know, ah, eh, that's not for me. Ah, eh, that's not for me. And we go 30, 40, 50 years and we're just stuck. And so I think sometimes, like you said, to get out of your comfort zone, you've got to try something new. Yeah. And I think that the flip side of that is that um, because we've, uh, because we've gotten to a place where we sort of know, we always know what is coming, what to expect. Right. Um, people are like, I think they're relieved to be able to submit themselves to an experience where they don't mm-hmm. have the answers. They don't yeah. know. They just know they're going to have a cool and awesome time. They can just trust. Yeah. Which is something that we, I think we lose now is that we yeah. want, we want to make an educated decision based on all of the data right. that we can collect. Very mathematical. Very mathematical yeah. as opposed to just like, I trust this. I trust yeah. this thing, and I'm going to submit myself, and it's going to yeah, be awesome. Go for it. Yeah. Exactly. So, so uh, kind of connecting into food a little bit. Um, you know, I, I know food is just this thing that you know people have for sustenance, and it's very simple if you boil it down to that. But you know, kind of connecting to culture today, it's also having a big moment, and I think people are realizing not for the first time, but maybe for the first time in, in recent history that you, that you can do a lot more with food and you can challenge yourself into what you eat and how you make it. And there's just a, a level of care that goes into it because, you know, obviously if you're hungry, you can drive through the McDonald's drive through and get a burger, no problem. But it doesn't really nourish you in the same way that, you know, if you plan a meal, you experiment with certain spices and peppers and you can really craft something that, you know, like you said, you may not be expecting, but you end up loving. So how, how do you find uh, to challenge that sort of, you know, food is a basic need versus food is something that, you know, can be creative? How do, how do you challenge that? Well, you know, I feel blessed and grateful yeah. to be running Snappy in a place where I don't really have to convince people of that. Yeah. When I was starting four years ago, yeah. convincing people to come to this crazy 10-course pop-up yeah. dinner where they don't know anything about it and pay 50 bucks for it, right. uh, I was begging people to come. I don't lose sight of the fact that the idea of comfort food is different for everyone. It's different for everyone. Yeah. And so even though we might think about McDonald's, going through McDonald's drive through as just like, shoving some trash in your face because you're on a rush you know you can think of a situation where that is like the most comforting thing for someone or we're just like sitting naked at home eating a domino's (laughs) pizza watching netflix watching netflix is like the most comforting thing i know it's i'm creating a really special experience and i think that fills a different role for different people Mm. you know we have people who come every single month and that's like their date night every month they have this night out where they don't have to do any planning Mm. They just show up and then they're taken on this journey. We have other people who it's about sort of exploring the foodie scene. There's mm-hmm. other people who are really going out on a limb and maybe this is totally outside of their comfort zone. Right. Uh, and then there's other people who come because the, they just love the food. They love right. the kind of style of food that we make. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that's one of these interesting things about not only food but art is that yeah. whatever lens you're seeing that through, it, it, it reflects the sort of perspective that you're coming from. Absolutely. And and I'm, I'm curious... Uh now kind of transitioning a little bit i'm remembering you said that you did you know lighting and theater and music and everything in school 
Um, how did you make the leap from that to food? Because obviously now you're so invested and passionate about food, but I can only imagine some of that passion, you know, translated a little bit. Yeah. I mean, uh, so the, I mean, the actual moment. Yeah. I had always loved cooking and eating. The actual moment was that class, yeah. the food and performance class, right. when, you know, that was when it was like, okay, performance and food, like these are one thing right. that are coming together. Right. Um, and, uh, so for that class, I ended up doing this concept meal. I did this like five course meal the, and I needed there to be this, uh, a sort of concept or some, you know, it was an academic context. So yeah. it couldn't just be like, here's a delicious meal. Yeah. Can I have an A now? You know, yeah. that's not how it works. Yeah. Um, I needed there to be something deeper. And so, uh, the performance piece and lighting design, that's never really gone away right. in terms of Cause my, you still incorporate it. And yeah, you know, so at, you know, uh, regulars of the pop-ups, they know that I really love to have fun with lighting design. We did a dinner um, earlier this year inside of a under construction Habitat for Humanity oh, cool. house. Um, of course, it didn't have lighting in it. It's yeah, just it was just frames sure. and you know walls and stuff. Um, and so we had a lot of fun doing sort of cool up lighting on the roof, so you see yeah. all the rafters and stuff like that. Which is stuff that, uh, just like with food, we could purely light it for function just so that yeah. it's visible, or we could have some fun, put a little bit more time and effort in yeah. there to do something that's really going to uh, sort of show it off in its best light. No Definitely. Pun intended. Yeah. How, how did you build that up over time? Because I know like a lot of our listeners are just starting out and, you know, they've got an idea, but they're not sure, you know, oh, I'd love to do that. I don't know who to contact. Um, do you have any advice for people like that? Or, I mean, the biggest thing for me, which, which is something I struggled with early on, is that um, it's it's really important that everything you do is on message yeah. and amazing. Yeah. Uh, because when it's early on, you're going to be presented with things to do that aren't what you want to be known for. Sure. And that's always a dilemma. Yeah. And, uh, and it's sort of the low hanging fruit mentality. I mean, you know, obviously if you're struggling to pay rent, you know, do what you got to do. But if you've got sort of your bills and basics met and now it's just a matter of, you know, do I want more to buy you know, a guitar or a, you know, fun Xbox or something like that. Like you can do that, but it's very momentary. Like you said, cause I kind of, I hit that wall too as a filmmaker. Cause I was doing a lot of, you know, weddings and, you know, filming, you know, just like car dealership commercials and, yeah. you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And you can you make know, some money at that. Absolutely. And, yeah. I, and I put some of that money into, you know, creative type projects, but, um, you, you do have to hit that mark where you say, what do I want to be known for? That's not only, do you want wedding, yeah. wedding uh, filmographer on your business card? It's not only that. Yeah. It's just, if you do those, people will instinctively. Exactly. Your branding. Yeah. It's not only like what's on the yeah. side of your car, on your business yes. card. Um, it's everything you're doing. And yeah. so, we all, you know, we all started, Ira Glass has this great, um, this great quote I about love how. I his stuff. Yeah. yeah. He has this great quote about how, um, People who are creatives mm -hmm. who are um, uh, uh, wanting to do some creative endeavor yeah. typically have good taste. They wouldn't right. be wanting to get in unless they have good taste. They can look at a film and be like, that was, that was an awesome film yeah. or eat a meal and be like, that was great. Right. But as they're first starting out, there's this dissonance between their uh, taste yeah. and what they're able to produce. And so for the first part of what you're doing, you're producing things that you consciously mm -hmm. know are not that good. Right. And you can't do anything about it because, I mean, all you can do, I guess, is yeah. to, to, to continue practicing. Yeah. But there's that moment where you're, you're not up to your own standards. Yes. And you know that. And you know that. And so yeah. that's, that's where those early starting ups, that's where taking these risks and asking other people to take risks on you to get that practice is really yeah. important. Um, but 
that has to be working towards whatever your goal or your vision yeah, is. And, and I appreciate you being transparent about that because, I, I mean, that's the function of the show is to tell people exactly that. Creative individuals, they, we do struggle and that there is a lot of, you know, self-doubt and, uh, you know, a lot of philosophizing that goes on behind the scenes yep. to make the work. Um, do you have any advice for maybe not getting caught up in your own head and, like, how you kind of file that stuff away to, to focus on the stuff that actually matters, i.e. the work, you know? It's a, it's a, it's a, a good, uh, it's a good question because anyone who's trying to take risks and push boundaries and do things creative, yeah. uh, create and, you know, in creative fields, you have those doubts, yeah. that anxiety. Um, I gave a, uh, a talk for creative mornings yeah. and the, the global topic for the month was, uh, anxiety. Mm. And so I really focused in that talk on the way the role that anxiety plays in my work. And one of the uh, sort of threads that I identified is the way that um, I feel like in my work, I've been able to leverage the like naturally occurring anxiety, mm -hmm. the kind of anxiety that honestly, if you don't have, there's something wrong. Yes. The way that you can leverage that towards doing your best work. Yeah. Um, because if it gets out of hand or, un out, yeah. you know, unchecked then that can be crippling. You yeah, know, it's just absolutely. like, I can't get up, look at the amazing work that other people are doing. I could never be that. Right. That's so easy to get caught up in that. But if you can keep it in check, yeah. then you can use that anxiety to sort of fuel you mm -hmm. forward to say, I, 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 I want to do my best work and I'm going to yeah. use that to sort of fuel myself, yeah. uh, to fuel myself forward. That's, that's sort of, uh, the anxiety is a result of you having this drive to do something right. uh, creative or different right. or new. Do you feel like it's a it's a slippery slope? Because, you know, I know a lot of people talk about, you know, there's a lot of, you know, mental health stuff going on in artistic fields. And I know a lot of people say, you know, it, it just comes with the territory. Just just work through. Do you feel like it's sort of a case by case thing? Or do you feel like there are broader steps that any creative can take? to sort of make life more easier and enjoyable on themselves. You know? Is there a way that you can be <laughs> creative and not cripplingly depressed? Is that the question? No. Yes. It's, it's, it's hidden underneath all yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, well, I, you know, I think it's just, it's all about balance, right? Yeah. You can't be, you can't be creative and trying to break boundaries and push yeah. limits without some sense of, um, of sort of self-reflection and yeah. uh, doubt and all those sure. kinds of things. Those, I th think there is, yeah. necessarily those sort of coexist right whether that needs to turn into crippling mental health issues right. is a is a different issue and i think um it's easy to let that get out of control yeah. um i think we've all been in those places Absolutely. but I, I i guess the answer is i don't i don't think it has to i don't think yeah. you have to be there are strategies that you can implement yeah in your own you know personal or artistic or both life to kind of find balance yeah and yeah. I, I think one of the one of the um one of the sources of that is the is the sort of like there are people who are better than me. Yeah. I feel like that for artists the keeps comparison. Coming, the comparison of it's just like you look at something that someone that you respect makes and you're like I can never do mm -hmm. that. Like I could never produce that. Um and I think embedded in that is this like completely crazy idea that for our work to have value it has to be the best mm -hmm. of all of the billions of people mm -hmm. who are Doing, doing things what you're doing yeah and yeah. that's that's insane that's no. that's ludicrous if you're creating work that's impacting people in yeah. positive ways that's awesome 
That, that, that's what, like what more do you want? No Absolutely. one cares that it, it turns into vanity. Exactly, it turns into vanity yeah. that there's some guy in L.A. who's doing these other things right. that are what it. It doesn't matter. It, it doesn't, doesn't affect you. Well, and the the little turning point on that, I can only speak for myself, but it, it it hit a point where when I was making films, like right out of the gate in college, had to be the next Tarantino, had to be the next Kubrick, whatever. And and I saw my peers going through that, and we were all just sort of doing this dance that was the same. And I just noticed it, and I was like, you know, halfway through it, I was like, why are we doing this? Like, what what is the function? Because those people have already made the work, you know, and and you can challenge yourself to do the next new thing or you can just challenge yourself to change someone's life or change someone's perspective. And so, you know, it took me and I'm still struggling a little bit, but, you know, it took me several years to sort of get out of my own way and just make work and, and make work that I think someone needs to see and that someone could be, you know, an 85 year old grandmother and, uh, Henderson, North Carolina at a small little screening I do and it just made her happy and you know and, and it's a little bit cheesy to say but it's enough like you know and it, it, certainly it's great to do things where hundreds and thousands and millions can you know have their minds blown but at the same time I think there's also value in starting a smallish spark and you know kind of seeing where it goes and so that that's sort of been my thing that I've tried to deal with and also, you know, show other creatives the same, because like you said, you know, it is, you know, it, it, it connects into vanity and, you know, it, it doesn't have to be the greatest nexus of, you know, whatever your field is, you know, you can make an impact and, and still see it through without getting caught up in your own, you know, popularity contests. So. Yeah. Yeah. Or or maybe it is the greatest of what you're doing. Yeah, of your work. Of yeah. you of what you are yeah. doing or of what you're totally trying to Totally okay do. to compare to your own body of work. Because yeah. I mean I always try to get better. It, it's totally you know? to, to compare to your own body of work or to compare yeah. to what your goal is. Yeah. There's this dude on YouTube, Gary Vaynerchuk. He does a lot of like inspirational kind of video speaking and stuff. And he always talks about that. He always talks about people saying, you know, uh, you know, I've done this for ten years and I'm just not seeing the results, but you know, technically they're good. And he talks about like I've seen so many people walk away but they're at third base and all they needed was just one more run and then they'd you know hit whatever that thing was but they gave up one too early that always stuck with me too that you know if you are feeling the pressure you know you never know because you really could just be one away you know that that crazy idea that you threw away might be the one to pop off and so it is about being bold and kind of taking those risks the kind of final question that i usually spend a little time on is you know what are you currently struggling with creatively? Um, you know, it could be something small, it could be something big. You know, I've had, this is everyone gets this question on the show. Um, and, and what are you actively doing or what could you actively be doing to remedy that? Um, I am in a, uh, uh, the fortunate place that my, I think the biggest thing that I'm struggling with right now is, is growth. Yeah. That I've got an awesome following. We've got a, yeah, Full schedule, the fullest schedule we've ever had. Yeah. Um, uh, we've got a ton of farmers and producers that we're working with. We've got a mailing list of five thousand people who yeah. just want more pop ups. Yeah. Um, and whenever you start something on your own, mm -hmm. uh, you know you have to 
you have to adapt. You have to figure out, well, what can I delegate? Who can mm-hmm. I bring on? How can I trust other people to do some of this stuff? And that's stuff? hard at first. It's really if hard. you're calling the shots at the Ab- start. Absolutely. Not only yeah. because it's just hard to trust someone else sure. with your baby, but also because uh, delegating and hiring and managing and all those things, mm. those are skills into themselves Absolutely. unique from whatever it is you're doing, whether you're, uh, whether you're doing film stuff, whether you're doing food stuff managing and high, you know, that's a whole nother yeah. skill set. So that is, that continues to be a struggle. How can I focus more on the stuff that I uniquely can do the creative stuff yeah. uh, that um, I, I'm not going to delegate that I yeah. really need to be doing. Uh, but if I'm getting bogged down in the logistics and schedule, you know, all that kind of stuff, then I don't have the, the mental bandwidth to mm-hmm. be focusing on the stuff that I need to be doing. It's, it's really about prioritizing what's going to give you the, the best work that you can make. And, uh, do you, again, do you feel like you have a team now that surrounds you that you're happy with or is it all? Yeah, I have an awesome team. I have yeah. a couple full time folks. I've got a list of about 30 part time awesome. folks who are working events as yeah. I, you know, as I need them. Um, but it's just about continuing. Look yeah. at what's on your plate and say, what yeah. of this do can what of this can I give to someone else? Yeah. Um, and what of this do I have to do myself? Yeah, um, which in that moment, it takes more time and work to be passing that off than it is just do it yourself in that mo- in any one moment. Right. It takes more. It's it's easier for you to just shoot something mm-hmm. than it is for you to now train someone to shoot it how you want it and blow mm-hmm. you know and ha- find the person and train them and get them set up and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. It would be faster for you to shoot that one thing. Mm-hmm. But in terms of investing in your long term growth, it's you know it's you have important. to invest in others exactly. to invest in yourself. Exactly. Yeah, build a team that uh, makes you happy and proud. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, awesome, man. I, I really appreciate you coming on the show, Jacob. Thanks a lot, man. Absolutely. Uh, where can folks find you if they're curious to, you know, kind of keep up with what you're doing and maybe come out to a dinner? Um, yeah. If you go to snappnc.com, okay. uh, you can sign up for the mailing list and uh, uh, and uh, hear about future events. The, awesome. Uh, tickets usually go on sale on Fridays at noon. Yeah. And the, they usually sell out in about 90 seconds or okay. uh, or so. so. Yeah. If you want to come, join the mailing list. Go fast. Running. Refresh fast. your browser. Exactly. Yeah. And don't call me if, yeah. uh, if you don't get it. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> cool. Um, well, thanks again for watching, everyone. Uh, if you are curious to keep up with what Jacob's doing, check out all his work. And if you are able to, check out our show on iTunes. Leave us a review. It always helps us out. Helps us get seen. And uh, if you're on YouTube, definitely consider subscribing. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.